Obama does an about-face on Arctic drilling. That and other stories for the week ending October 18th, 2015. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin. And it's This Week in Water. There was a dramatic turn of events in parts of the Arctic last week, as oil companies will no longer be allowed to drill in U.S. waters off of Alaska at least temporarily. Earlier this year, the Obama administration approved new drilling permits in the Arctic for shell oil. Environmental activists tried to stop those plans by surrounding oil rigs with kayaks and hanging from bridges. Despite those efforts, Shell got its rig to the Alaskan Arctic. But now things have suddenly changed. Just a few weeks ago, Shell announced it was pulling out of the Arctic. And last Friday, the Obama administration announced that oil companies will not be allowed to bid on the right to drill in Alaskan waters, at least until 2017. The administration said it wasn't going forward with the Arctic leases because of low interest in drilling there and low oil prices. The cancellations weren't based upon the difficulty of drilling in the remote region or about the significant environmental disasters that could occur. The temporary halt leaves open the possibility that a new administration could reverse the ban. Soon, world leaders will be gathering in Paris to address climate change, and it now looks as though the latest science is telling them that they might have a bigger problem to face than was previously thought. Recently, there were important reports about methane being released into the atmosphere. Much of it comes from near the North Pole. In Russia, Greenland, Canada, and Alaska, there's a lot of organic material that's been accumulating over thousands of years. As global warming occurs, the permafrost on top of that organic material melts and decomposes releasing carbon into the atmosphere. In addition to the carbon dioxide, there's great concern over the methane released by the melting permafrost because it traps much more heat in the atmosphere. The melting permafrost in the Arctic could lead to a global temperature rise of nearly one half of a degree Celsius. Efforts underway to keep warming to within two degrees Celsius may become much harder as the permafrost releases carbon. And in yet another study released this month, scientists at the University of Washington have found that releases of methane from the ocean may be occurring due to water temperature rise. About 168 methane plumes have been detected off the coast of Washington and Oregon in recent years. It's possible that giant plumes of the gas are unlocked from where they have been frozen for thousands of years deep below the surface. Scientists are concerned that even if the gas doesn't make it to the surface and into the atmosphere, it may cause greater acidification of the waters, harming marine life. For the past decade, a mysterious illness has swept through the sugarcane fields of Central America. More than 20,000 farm workers have died, and on one island in Nicaragua, the number of husbands lost is so high, the area has been nicknamed the Island of Widows. No one knew the cause of the disease that attacks the victim's kidneys and prevents them from eliminating waste and fluids. Many suspected pesticides, toxins, or heavy metals. But no one said climate change. That is, until Richard Johnson, a kidney specialist at the University of Colorado, got involved. About four years ago, when Johnson first heard about the deaths in Central America, he wondered if chronic dehydration might be a factor. Laboring in the sugarcane fields means toiling in extreme heat for hours and often without access to fresh water. He and his team conducted research in Nicaragua and El Salvador and found that the laborers suffered serious dehydration on a daily basis. 
Temperatures have been rising there since 1980, as have the number of extreme hot days. In a paper published this month, Johnson noted that laborers had excess uric acid levels in their blood that's associated with dehydration. Ironically, the field workers would consume sugary soft drinks that would only exacerbate the problem. Fructose in soft drinks has been associated with developing kidney stones. Johnson's study follows other research last year that suggested a link between kidney ailments and climate change. In a study of five major cities, it showed that as temperatures rose, so did the incidence of kidney stones. In other climate news, it seems the Utah State School Board thinks sixth graders aren't quite ready to discuss things like climate change. Instead, according to the Salt Lake Tribune, Proposed new science standards will teach Utah youngsters, quote, how the greenhouse effect maintains Earth's energy balance and a relatively constant temperature. Science specialist April Mitchell said that she was concerned that it would create a misconception for students that our temperature isn't changing. Mitchell, who works with elementary students of all ages, said students are hungry for information, adding that as children as young as fourth graders ask about weather and climate change because they hear about it. It's in the news, and they also notice that it's not snowing in the winter. Ricky Scott, a science specialist with the State Office of Education, denies the proposed changes are political, but rather to give students incremental information. In the eighth grade, students are taught about global warming. In other science education news, Alabama has updated its science standards for K-12 education to require for the first time that students be taught about climate change and human contributions to a warming Earth. Those new standards were approved unanimously by the state's GOP-controlled State Board of Education and made in recognition of the fact that colleges and universities will expect high school graduates to understand global climate change. Finally this week, care about oceans and want to do your part to keep them clean? You're in luck. A husband and wife team of engineers from the University of California have created the first eco-beachware made of material that can absorb up to 25 times its own weight in pollutants. Originally interested in coming up with a way to clean up ocean oil spills, the pair debuted their bikini that's padded with a sucrose-based material that repels water but sucks up harmful contaminants. They said the material can also be made for swimming caps and wetsuits. Our first thought, a stroke of genius. It was this Week in Water is a production of H2O Radio and is sponsored by Colorado WaterWise. Learn more at coloradowaterwise.org. Oh, I broke it.